And when I looked closer, there was a, a Sasquatch face on the other side, and uh, it was looking right back in at us. Staring back at me is a silhouette of a very, very giant monkey. An intriguing discovery is being investigated in a community east of Seattle. Someone came across a lengthy trail of extremely large footprints. They are up there. Welcome, everyone. You've tuned into the Nicola Valley Bigfoot Podcast, a place where your encounters are told. To share your encounter and to be on the show, email me at nicolavalleybigfoot at gmail.com. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. Yeah, my name's Jim, and I live in Southern California. But I spent lots of time growing up in Central Oregon with my grandparents. And uh, so most of my encounters, in fact, most of the family encounters happened there in Lapine, Oregon. And uh, so I guess my, my first beginning of, of any inkling dealing with, with Bigfoot was from my brother, who was uh, about 10 years older than me. And he and his uh, friends had read Ivan T. Sanderson's Abominable Snowman Legend Come to Life and had decided that they were going to go Bigfoot hunting. And so they went up to the Trinity Mountains in Northern California one uh, spring break and uh, brought bow, they brought bows, they were bow hunters. And uh, they went to, to an area that everyone now knows is called Willow Creek. And there they uh, uh, set up and, and found uh, footprints in, 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 in the, the area and followed it around. And, and then uh, that first night, uh, a Sasquatch actually peeked into one of the pup tents and scared the hell out of them. And, uh, and they, they had basically, they didn't really see anything, but they found the footprints and stuff. And, uh, they, uh, the second night they decided to sleep inside their station wagon, all of them. And, uh, two creatures, uh, started rocking the station wagon back and forth through, throughout the night. And they got out of there the very next morning and, and came back uh, all agitated, and I was a I was a kindergartner at the time, and so they were all talking about. And I have no idea what they were talking about, but I remember they showed us the film. They they shot a Super 8 movie camera film of their their search. You didn't see anything. It's but uh, they definitely believe that they'd seen a, a, a several Sasquatches, and. At the same time, my grandparents had moved to Lapine, Oregon, and were beginning to have. They claim that the, that they would find footprints and hear noises and and sounds of of the creatures, and so. But my first encounter happened when I was actually ten years old, up spinning at my grandparents one summer, and we decided to go and do a take plaster and go out and look for animal tracks and collect animal tracks for a, a nature study for, for me. Uh, and they thought we'd get a, a couple here, a couple years ahead of it because uh, it was something that the sixth graders did. And I wanted, I didn't want to stick little dead bugs on a, on a board. So we decided to collect animal tracks. And so we went out and we came across this huge track it was about 18 and a half inches long and seven and a half inches wide and took up almost all the plaster and we had waited for it to be a rainy night the night before so that we'd find good tracks and so that was one of the first tracks we found and then we followed the trail and realized it was walking on two legs the whole time and then my mom and my aunt who were who had taken me and, and five of my cousins out there decided it was better 
they decided that whatever it was might and might not be good to have a bunch of little kids out there. So they took us back to the house and uh, later went back out with my grandmother and retrieved the, the plaster cast of the track. And then later on, my father and grandfather and uncle came back from Bend, Oregon, where they'd been uh, uh, grocery shopping and brought a watermelon and we were having hamburgers and a watermelon and all of a sudden we heard this most god-awful screaming coming out of the of the the forest and uh, i think the watermelon stopped being eaten immediately and the us kids looked around and ran back into the house and then uh, my aunt and my mom and my uncle and my dad uh, decided to go out and see what the sounds were, where they were coming from. And they walked down the road and there was a horse and a corral at a neighbor's home and it was panicked and, and running around and they could still hear the screams coming from the forest. So they came back and asked if any of us wanted to go out and, and see what it was. And I'm the only kid that wanted to go. So I went with my mom and my dad and my aunt out into the woods i was this is i was 10 years old so it was uh, right after fourth grade oh, okay anyway so, so that's so that when uh we went out there we found deer tracks and the bigfoot tracks and then we found a spot where there was like scraping marks on the ground like drag marks in the dirt and Bigfoot tracks. And then we came to the remains of a deer that had been torn apart and the bones had been, had, all the flesh had been pulled from the bones and the bones were laid in a big stack. And, uh, and my mom told me to go look at the bone. So I went and looked and I picked up a bone and you could still see uh, tooth scrapings where something had eaten, kind of like corn on the cob, you can see the scrapings of, of the tooth marks against the bones. And not far away, maybe only a few feet, was um, a bed where pine branches had been torn off and laid down, something heavy had laid down on the pine branches. And then, uh, and by that time, the, the, the screaming had stopped. We, it was totally quiet. It was totally dead quiet in the forest. So we, we continued walking along, and uh, uh, my, my dad decided to sit in a, a small clearing on a, on a stump. And we continued walking out, looking for the tracks and see what else we could find. And then my dad came up to us and said that he heard, like, branches snap all the way around you, but he couldn't see a thing. And then, but he felt like something was watching him and he said it really was kind of creeped him out. So he came back, joined us. And, uh, and then it was getting dark, getting dusk. And we walked back out of the woods and to my grandparents' home and spent the evening talking about the the day's encounter of what, what I was saying. And uh, then us kids were all sent up to bed. And in the middle of the night, I started hearing screams coming from the window outside. And uh, my, uh, I, I came down the stairs and my mom said, don't, don't worry, it just stubbed its toe, go back up to bed. Of course, 10 years old, I did. But uh, they didn't tell me that they could see it in the shadows going around the house all night long oh. so it uh, followed us back and uh, kind of uh, i guess it was upset we disturbed its bed and, and its meal yeah i was gonna I ask know. i was gonna ask well what, what do you think that the um, the intentions were and why like i mean it, it seems like um it, it seems like it was very angry but but it didn't really have a you know very good reason but what do you think that the the for the reason for the aggression I'm not even sure it was that aggressive, although it certainly what it certainly made a lot of noise. Maybe it's because we were out in the woods when it was hunting. 
and we probably disturbed it and whatever it's uh, I, I, I don't know it that it's just it was very unnerving the sounds and everything and I didn't see it at that time I just saw the tracks and the bone stack and its bed and uh it was it was an interesting experience i'll yeah. say yeah for sure um it wasn't the only one we've had other uh, i mean off and on other family members and, and including me have had 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 other encounters when i was 16 i finally saw one i went i had, I had just arrived to see my because even then I live, we live here in Southern California and, but my grandparents were in Oregon. So we'd spend, I'd spend my vacations and summers up and up, up there. And so we just arrived the day before uh, uh, after, you know, school was out. So probably would have been late June. And I heard, uh, I, I decided to go take a walk by myself out in the forest and I'm just walking and thinking about stuff and just looking and all of a sudden the ground shook. Uh, and it, it was like, I remember my grandfather was hoisting an engine out of a car and dropped it. The, the winch broke and it dropped and the ground shook and this felt the same. I looked up and there was one probably about nine feet tall. It had just jumped out of a jack pine tree and it took off running. And I'm standing there going, oh my God. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I just froze. I just watched as it disappeared in the distance running away. It was a reddish brown in color. I said about nine feet tall. Uh, I think it was a male, but I couldn't see. I saw it from behind. And uh, bullet shaped head. And just and and just it just booked running, you know, kicked the the vault the the soil up there is volcanic ash. This is up in the Cascades, so it's all all vo volcanic. So so this very fine volcanic dust billows up from it. It's it's running, and and it it didn't make a sound. It didn't scream. It didn't say anything. It just ran away, and I just stood there and stared. And watching it saying, did I see what I thought I saw? You know, I said, I know people are going to ask me if it was uh, maybe a reflection from a car or uh, something going down the road. I said, no. I, I, <laughs> and I just, just turned around and walked back to the house. And, and I came back later in the day when I felt brave enough and looked and you could see where it had pulled the bark off of the jack pine tree and was eating grubs uh a larva uh, beetle larva from underneath the the bark of, of the tree so that's what it had been doing it climbed up into the tree and was is eating eating beetle larva and you didn't tell anybody so, you didn't you didn't talk to anybody about what, what you saw or, or what you thought you oh saw, yeah or? to my my family but everyone there knew what it was and you guys or i guess you more specifically like you knew what it was as soon as you seen it or, or did it take you a few of course yeah. yeah my my brother had had his sightings when i was five so i we, i'd heard about encounters i knew knew what the creatures were i and uh by the, that time, I'd I'd read Ivan T. Sanderson's book and had looked at other stuff, and so I was familiar with it. But uh, I, I, you know, I didn't know. I mean, I knew it was a Bigfoot. Was there any other indication that there might have been more in the area? I guess, or, or was it just that one? Just that one. But other family members have had encounters where they saw more than one, and we they used to come. My grandparents had a big vapor light on a pole that lit up the whole yard, and they would these creatures would come up in in the shadows, and you'd see their silhouettes in the trees. And really weird this is they almost look like jack pines. They basically similar shape, and as long as they are not moving, they, they you look like you look across the woods and into the sh shadowy forest at night and it looks like you're looking at just the trees but yeah. uh there were times when there was as many as six maybe seven 
creatures standing in the shadows of the forest watching us sit on the sit on on the front lawn wow we used to go in the in the summer times we're talking 1960s and early 70s there were only two stations no cable no satellite so you know two stations watch on tv and both of them showed the same shows uh, so one came out of Salem and the other one came out of Portland. So it depended on what kind of static there was or what kind of, or whether the, the, the snow on the TV was, which you could watch. So most of the time we'd spend the evening sitting, sitting in chairs out, out on the lawn, looking at the stars and chatting and talking about stuff and, and joking and, and the adults smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee. <laughs> and that tended to be our nighttime activities is sitting out and watching the stars. You'd watch for meteor showers and stuff like that, or, or strange lights in the sky, or, or check for when the satellites would go over. They always came the same time and always followed the same path. So you knew that kind of stuff. So the, and you, and occasionally if it was a moonlit night, you'd take your binoculars and try to see if there's anything you could see out in the woods. I know one time my mother said she looked out in the woods and uh, focused in on one of those trees and it turned around and looked at her Oh boy! and she saw the eye shine. Wow. She said it was the scariest thing she'd ever seen. She said it looked like uh, Lon Chaney's werewolf. Okay. From like the 1930s. Yeah. yeah. That's the closest thing she could say. Of course that's in moonlight, you know, what yeah. she, what she could see. And with a, a, the vapor, vapor light eye shine, so which are red, the eye, eye shine would be red. And she said she dropped the binoculars and ran back to the house. And my grandmother's sitting next to her and says, Nellie, <laughs> Nellie? <laughs> she <laughs> left her sitting out there. <laughs> she was probably about 20 feet uh, on one side of the dirt road to, to whatever it was standing there. And she said, uh, she just, just, he said, the thing that she noticed about it was, was that it was expressionless. Like it didn't, it had no expression on it. It made no facial movements whatsoever. It just kind of. No, she said it was like, you know, if you were analyzing a bug, the way it looked across at her and everything was just, just kind of nonchalant, just staring. There was no emotion to it at all. Let me ask you and something else here, James. It seems like your grandparents, well, your family and your grandparents more specifically, have come kind of come to terms with having, you know, the Sasquatch on their property or, or at least living within the vicinity of your property. But at, how, at what point did your, your grandparents become comfortable with it? I mean, did, did you guys ever talk about stuff like that or, or did it ever come up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I remember having a conversation and being ter- terrified of it, and my grandmother saying, "Listen, they're out there all the time, so and and they've never hurt anybody here, so there's no reason to be afraid. They're not going to do anything to you. They're just more curious. They kind of just stare at us. They 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 would come and peek in windows." You'd you'd be sitting in and reading a comic book on the living room, and all of a sudden the the window you were sitting next to would go dark for a second, <laughs> and you go what? Uh, you look up and you'd see a shadow move away wow. from from the window. And you wouldn't see it, but they they come and peek very. Um, uh, one time at Christmas time, it was scary. I was sitting in the in the kitchen, my back to the window, and all you know, sitting with my cousins, and we were all playing uh, a game called Whisk, card game. And uh, all of a sudden, the most god awful scream came in right behind me through the window, and uh, the cards went flying and. Cousins went flying out, out and away up up the <laughs> stairs, and the adults got up and ran ran out the door, and there were tracks right by the window, and then there was a spot where my grandmother's cat was, and 
was no longer there. The cat never, no one ever saw the cat again. So I think it ran by the window, grabbed the cat, and took off back into the woods. Their tracks went across the parking area where people park cars. Well, there's a handprint in the middle of the top of one car, and then footprints on the other side of the car going back up into the woods. Did Did your family ever want to do something about it? I guess, so to speak, well, not not really knowing what they could have done. But I mean, I mean, with instances uh, like that, like where yeah. you have a missing pet now, has everybody ever tried to yeah, go for the missing cats? Or... Yeah. The, uh, no, they actually. My grandmother felt they were protective. She felt having them around kept her safe from prowlers. Well, I don't know how true that was, but she said that. She uh, said, "says says people tend to leave this area alone." <laughs> <laughs> I really, I can honestly see the logic in that. <laughs> we actually had uh, a Patterson and Gimlin come to the property i think it was in in 68 or 69 i can't remember anyway and they came to the door and asking if they could go bigfoot hunting north of our property and my grandfather told me get the hell out because and as he said to the rest of us is says i don't need anyone with a rifle over their shoulder out hunting around next to where i have 15 grandkids yeah who are sense. playing out in the woods yeah it makes sense i don't need that and uh they so there's a longer story to that what what was is that at one time my uncle had seen Patterson and Corvallis and told him about our encounters in Lapine and uh, didn't invite them over, but had told him about it. So, so of course they show up and they're told to get, a, get away. But later we, we uh, heard someone at nighttime, we heard someone say, let's get the hell out of here. And the next morning went out and we saw two men's footprints and a large tracks right behind them all the way to Highway 97. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I think <laughs> so, so I, I think there's some truth into the fact that my grandparents had uh, uh, guardians keeping people away. Yeah. Growing up with Sasquatch is kind of a normal thing for you then. It was right. It was just a normal everyday type thing. Yeah, it was unnerving when things would look in windows at you or you were afraid they were going to look in windows at you. I would go around the house at sunset and close my grandmother's curtains because I decided I didn't want to look out and see eyes looking back in at me. And uh, and I would take my shower before the sun went down because there was a, a, a broken chink in the window of, uh, of the shower in the bathroom. And I always had this envisioned thought of a large hairy hand coming through the window and grabbing <laughs> at me while I'm showering, uh, which uh, then I saw in that, that film about the Boggy Creek. And I said, that's me. That's me. <laughs> I said, that's exactly what I would have done. <laughs> so... So, yeah, for the most part, it was there all the time, a little unnerving, but there's just there were moments of time you knew not to go out into the woods. If I walked out to the house and I didn't hear birds or chipmunks, and there was it was and it was like we called it the cone of silence, we just like yeah, I think it's a day to read comic books indoors, and and turn around and go back in the house. And of course, occasionally you get a whiff of that horrible cadaver smell from the woods, and you know eh, they're a little close today. But other than that, it's, you know, we, just, we used to go play hide go seek at night in the dark in the woods. Oh boy! I didn't think anything of it. Oh wow! As long as you, <laughs> you, you, you know, of course, if you, again, if it was that one of those days where it seemed really quiet, you just stayed in because you you knew it was some predator was out there and you didn't need to go out there because usually you just get used to it. Except 
oh, it's quiet today. Let's just stay here. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be out there all the time. I'd go out there by myself or I walk logs and, uh, and uh, you know. It's freaking, it's freaking me out, you just saying that right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing my head trying to go out into the woods by myself as a child even. And it's just not computing in, in the back of my brain. So. <laughs> He oh, used he didn't think about it. I mean, I did go out into the woods by myself on lots of occasions. I'd go. I had places I'd like to go sit and and listen to the woods and stuff, or or, or I, I like to watch the trees slightly blow when the wind was blowing, and 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 listen to that wind sound. Yeah. And but um, I wasn't worried. Yeah, we a one time I went with my cousins, and we decided to do a a a, a late night hike out into the woods without flashlights, kind of a dare kind of thing, with all my cousins. And what I didn't know is they just they had just had a marijuana cigarette they wanted to smoke, so but <laughs> I had no clue. <laughs> So we go way out into the woods, and my my brother, who's older than me, was um, had rubella as an embryo, so he was basically blind and and, and almost deaf. So we go out, and he's and we go out into the woods, and all of a sudden, someone hears a branch snap. All of a sudden, there I am, the fat little boy with with my with almost blind brother and everyone else is already gone gone <laughs> we left there i held on to my brother the whole way back <laughs> and he says i don't know what good i would have done i can't see anything anyway he says i said well i'm fat and, and you're slow <laughs> so i figured <laughs> two of us are managed to make it better than one <laughs> <laughs> oh man well you gotta hang on to something right yeah, yeah. i did yeah. <laughs> let me let me ask you about this about your your grandparents property james are they still with us and i'm sorry if that's a sensitive question. no they, uh, my grandfather passed away in 1989 and my grandmother passed away in 1986 okay uh, the only reason so, I ask is because I'm just wondering if the if the property is still in the family or or is it moved on to somebody else? No, it 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 was it was left empty for a while. Now it's a buy mart. That whole area is developed where it was at. There's uh, where that house is at actually is behind uh, a, a a senior center. And I as I I couple of years ago looked out and they they bulldozed what was left of my grandparents home and their garage and everything you can see some of the debris up and against the back uh, parking lot behind the the senior center and the rest of where they lived is is a parking lot for bymart yeah yeah i'm kind of disappointed to hear that yeah <laughs> you know it was a stomping ground for for the sasquatch so. yeah and the forest I used to walk in and where I saw the Bigfoot area is, uh, is subdivided into homes. Well, it's pretty safe to say then that obviously they're not there anymore. They've moved on to. Uh, no, yeah. they're there, but they're not there. I know that because uh, I occasionally when I when I head up to the Cascades, I stop and pay my respects and the lapine cemetery and when you go to lapine cemetery you it's it's out very rural right in the middle of jack pine forest and you can hear tree knocks oh okay it, i mean i i didn't realize because i never heard the tree knocks when i was a kid growing up i didn't hear it and if i did it didn't pay attention to it um, I noticed when my parents moved up to the same area, slightly 15 miles away, a different area of Lapine, um, I would go out for walks when I was visiting them, and I'd say, dang, someone's cutting logs. I don't know why. Someone's chopping wood. It was tree knocks. Well, it's good to hear that and they haven't completely left the area, but yeah, it's... They have not left the area. They're just a little bit more elusive. Um, and, uh, then, and then I noticed I heard the same chopping wood sounds, which I now realized was tree knocks 
at the Lapine Cemetery. Anytime you go out there, you hear them. You don't hear them in the other parts of Lapine, but out there I could hear them. So I know they're there. And my brother had an, my oldest brother had an encounter there. He took his son out to pay his respects and they, they heard the tree knocks. And then he found Bigfoot track going right by his car on the other side of his car. And could he, but they never saw anything, but they saw the tracks when they're heading back to the car after paying their respects to family members. Cause my, my grand father's there my grandmother's there my mom's there my dad's there uh my aunt and my uncle are all buried there when did the family move on from that property when it was it the 90s uh the 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 grandparents passed away in 1989 but my parents had moved to lapine different area uh and lived there until 2014 oh okay but the reason I was asking is just, you know, when was like the last kind of, do you know when the last kind of family encounter happened with these Sasquatch or? Well, anytime I visited my grand, my parents at their property, the first night there, I'd get a tree slap in, by, by uh, my bedroom on my, on the wall next to my bedroom. Every time I'd visit them huh. first night, there'd be a tree, there'd be a house slap. So they let me know that uh, they knew I was there. <laughs> and, and remembered you. Yeah, that, that's, that's fascinating. Yeah, and remembered me after, what, uh, decades? Yeah. So um, now my, my father passed away a couple of years ago. So now I don't have, really have a reason to, to visit Lapine. I'm sure if I still traveled up there, somehow I'll, I'd, I'd hear something or see something. <laughs> I'm sure you would. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you grew up with this. With this... It, it seems to have that affinity. I mean, when I was on the archaeological dig on the Olympic Peninsula in 1979, I swear I saw one cross the road. Can, 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 I was can... sitting in the back of a, of a station wagon. We'd been vis visiting Nia Bay and coming back. I swear I saw one cross the road. It was so far away, you could barely see anything. But I, what, what? It was like, and then it was gone. So, I don't know. Maybe it's just being aware of them. You kind of just, you are. You're literally aware of them, and so you pay attention. Yeah, I think that actually comes up quite a bit in conversation when I talk to other people about, you know, their encounters or why it doesn't make sense and all that thing, and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, a lot of the times, and I say this repeatedly though, a lot of the times things really don't make sense until you do add Sasquatch to the equation. And then things kind of start adding exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah, so it's just a matter of getting people's minds to accept the fact that, you know, they're out there. These, these This race of, of people are still living in the forest of, of everywhere. 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 Yeah, yeah there, there are encounters down here in Southern California, but the media just says, oh, it's probably a chimpanzee. And I'm like, you know, if there was an escaped chimpanzee, it would be big news. Yeah. Uh, you don't have random incidental chimpanzee encounters. <laughs> it doesn't happen. <laughs> Yet anytime there's a sighting, oh, it's probably an escaped chimpanzee. I, <laughs> nah, uh, Bigfoot makes a lot more sense than an escaped chimpanzee yeah. anywhere, unless you're in like maybe uh, Western Africa. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you you grew up with this as kind of a normal thing, right? And you you brought that. Yeah. You, you carried that information for for years. Now, um, James, you mentioned before for the listeners we we spoke before, but James is an was an elementary school teacher. Now, you actually brought this up to your students. How, what was your reactions to to you telling these stories to your to your kids? Oh, the kids loved it. And of course, then there'd be debates. They'd go home, and their parents would go, oh, "He's full of BS. It's, none of that's true." And then I'd get and kids coming back and said, "Well, my family from Mexico, and I swear I saw one up in a cabin." And my mom and dad just said, "No, it's just the devil." So I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> I was always curious whether there were there was Bigfoot in Mexico because it made no sense that there that a border would make a difference. 
what did the kids really enjoy about your stories exactly like was it you know was it like a, a monster story to them or was it like holy smokes this guy really did see a sasquatch or what was it kind of like for, for teaching kids? a kind of a combination they they love the bigfoot stories of course i told them traditional tales too but of bigfoot but uh they they loved uh hearing about my encounters because i was most of my encounters happened when i was a kid like them so we would discuss it i had one weird encounter that i still don't understand that's really bizarre and they and the kids brought it up too is and, and we thought about it differently i it was up at a place called crane prairie and it was a fishing spot we used to go up to and it's a reservoir up uh, up near lapine but uh, closer to the cascades and i was at a place called cow camp and i remember i'm not very good fishing I was get bored, but I, <laughs> I I was an artist, so I would break my sketch pad and and pencils and would would sketch plants and stuff. Anyway, I I was bored, and all of a sudden I saw a cow walk past me and go into the woods, and I'm like, what the hell is a cow doing in the middle of the forest? I mean, it had had uh, a dairy bell around its neck it was a black and white cow and just walking kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. and it was I was really weird and then my dad came up to me and said are you okay and I said yeah did you see the cow and he said uh sort of what he saw was a fisherman walking across near me he said except he realized it was all one color and it morphed into a sasquatch what it's bizarre i still don't know what to make of it at all it kind of into the realm of david politis stories uh of, you know from from four what four one one or whatever anyway oh, yeah, 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 um, yeah 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 and and I, in fact i brought it up to, to david politis and he said it fit some of the stuff he's heard, some of the weird stuff he's heard relating to Bigfoot. And to this day, I think I was thinking about the place I was at was called Cow Camp and wondering why the hell it was called Cow Camp. There were no cows anywhere near there. And so what do I see? A cow. Hmm. My dad was, was, he was fishing. So what's he see? A fisherman. What did we see? My kid said, just because you thought maybe it was a Bigfoot doesn't mean it was a Bigfoot. Maybe it was something else, like a shapeshifter. Oh, okay. I saw what it wanted me to see. So I didn't see it, whatever it was. So I still don't know what to make of that story. It was just bizarre. Because none of my other encounters of Bigfoot did anything like that. Well, what was the difference between, like, your normal and (laughs) – your normal Bigfoot encounter. Well, you, you, <laughs> well, like the 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 nine foot one I saw jump out of a tree. It didn't yeah. change or become something else. It just jumped out of a tree and it ran away. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. That behaved like an animal, like I would expect a hominid or an ape-like animal to be. Yeah, it didn't become anything else. Well, you hear the First Nation stories quite quite often talk about you know the sasquatch people being being having the ability to shapeshift and and try you know open portals and, and that sort of thing and, and i'm very leery on, on on going that direction just because what i saw myself personally did not look like it was what like exactly you know, so. most of what i experienced whether it was the the looking in the windows seeing a shadow or seeing something in the distance, it was basically an animal behaving like whatever kind of animal it was. It didn't do anything weird, yeah. except that one encounter. Yeah, I mean, if there was some supernatural aspect to my own sighting, I, I guess it would have been like it was so quiet, it didn't make any noise whatsoever. Um, but to me, that's like pre- predators behave that way anyway. That They depend on st- stealth and quiet yeah for and, sure. and that totally makes sense if you're if you're a, if you're a hunter 
you don't want your prey to see or hear you before it can do what it needs to do to eat you. So I would expect a hunter to be quiet and stealthful. I'd expect that. Yeah. You know, a bear is, is going to be quiet until if it's hunting you. It's not going to make a lot of noise and try and scare you. Uh, a big cat. I mean, the only thing you're going to, uh, you might hear what sounds like a baby cry, and you might smell something that smells kind of like uh, juniper because of the cat pee. But other than that, it's going to be quiet. It's not going to do anything weird. Okay, I guess I'm going to put you on the spot here. Like, given all your, your family's history with, with, you know, having them on the family plot and the family family property, do you think that they have special abilities? Because I'm kind of, me, myself, it's just my own opinion, is I don't think so, but, you know, what, what do you think? Uh, my mom and my aunt were walking in the woods by themselves, and they both said that they heard screaming in their heads. And they both ran to get out of the area, and they stopped when the screaming stopped in their heads. So they always said they felt that these creatures had some form of, I wouldn't say paranormal ability, but you know, uh, uh, you know, ability to to impart at least a thought into your head. And that's kind of where I, I'm a little oh. bit confused. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I've actually personally I've spoken to people who have had, you know, mind speak episodes where, you know, and not even on the podcast, but like just in in everyday conversations, where where they've had experience like mind speak from from these creatures, and they don't know, they can't explain it, and I can't give them an answer because I just don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I could believe that they would hold a whole conversation with you, but I think they could impart maybe get out of here, you know, or go away (laughs) into your head, like a warning. So I don't know. Yeah. It's a little weird. I guess nobody really knows. And like to quote, you know, Wes Germer, you know, unless you have one in your garage and you're studying it, we really don't know what these, what what they're capable of doing to, you know, the full extent. And and so we do, then it's all up for conjecture. So that's why I never, dismiss anybody that says that you know it opened a portal and walked through it because i don't know maybe they can yeah my, my thought with what i experienced was if it didn't want to scare me it might put into my mind a thought of cow and so that's what i saw because that's what i was thinking very interesting. and my dad if it didn't want to scare my dad it would have sent the message of oh i'm a fisherman because that's what my dad was expecting. So he's using our own thoughts to mask it. That That's the only, at the time, that's kind of what I thought. Now you've just made the who knows. <laughs> now I'm going to have to look into this a little more, because I, I love learning about, about the Sasquatch. So, you know, if, if this is their one of their abilities that they have, then uh, we will see. We will definitely see. People People have various uh, paranormal abilities, supposedly, psychic abilities. So if it was, if these things are our relatives, and I think they are personally, um, why not? Yeah, why not? I mean, they have language. I heard them. I, I one day I was sitting, I was visiting my, my grandmother when my grandfather's in the hospital and I had all my textbooks and stuff from school and I was supposed to be studying. So from school, cause uh, so I was upstairs and all of a sudden I heard basically exactly the, what the Sierra sounds were coming from the woods. Yeah. Like the two creek. Yeah, exactly. And and my grandmother was out, out in the front yard watering her lawn, and and I and uh, I came downstairs and I said, "Do you hear that?" She's, "Oh, you hear that too? Yeah, they're talking." Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> I would be. Uh, I would. I, I guess your grandparents must have had, you know, a lot of time to get used to to the. Uh, 
I want to say. Yeah. The, Something that, they were. Yeah. They were there all the time. I mean, my grandmother saw an afterbirth from one, and we heard the baby crying one winter. There was like four feet of snow on the ground. You know, it's not normal baby, a normal human baby crying out in four feet of snow when it's like twenty below zero. Wow! And we heard the baby crying in the woods. So they were, they were there. My grandmother heard the mating the year before. She said they went on for two days. There were probably about twelve of them. And she didn't tell that to me. I overheard her telling that to my mother because I'm a little kid. Listening, <laughs> <laughs> all ears. Oh, what? <laughs> so, well, let me ask you this one last question before I, I let you go, James. How has your encounter changed you? And I guess it really hasn't all that much. You've kind of grown up with with this. So how is it? How has it affected you in any way, or has it? Um. Well, it opened my eyes to possibilities that there's a lot more to the world than we normally see um it sent me to college and got a degree in anthropology just to, to kind of figure i was curious what are these things i still think they're australopithecines or related to australopithecines oh, you, oh, i'm that, sorry I, i'm sorry i hate interrupting my guests but I totally didn't bring that up, and I mentioned, and I did write a note that I did want to bring that up. As an anthropologist, what is your opinion on on Sasquatch? Before we go, okay. Before we go, I th- personal opinion, not based on actual physical evidence, but based on morphology, what I've seen, and what I know, and um, from the bone stacks and from the beds that they leave, which match Australopithecine archaeological evidence from from africa um except in size (laughs) i i think that they're probably like a paranthropus or or australopithecine descendant and maybe maybe hybridize other stuff like us here and there but uh because they're close enough to us to reproduce with us i think yeah and to create what they are now. That's what I've always thought. I kept my mouth shut in college so I could learn as much as I could without being thought of being <laughs> a, as a wacko. <laughs> and I had an anthropological professor, anthropology professor say that uh, there's a lot of stuff out there that people don't see that are that's still out there. He grew up in the Big Bear area in Southern California. And he said, there are mountain lions and bears all over the place, but no one ever sees them. So what else is out there? That's, that was his opinion. When did these, these species, subspecies of humans, when did they exist? Um, about, well, the recently they found the Homo florensis, which they think is a derivative of an Australopithecine. And that was 10,000 years ago. Oh, wow. That, that's soon. But, that's 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 recent in in geologic terms that's recent um the australopithecines existed about two million years ago to about a million years ago in the fossil record do you think that sasquatch could possibly be um i I don't like using this term but it's what people know a missing link somehow they're all missing links but they're all little links in the chain. There's, there's, there's a lot of human variation in humans today. And there is a lot of human variation in the past. So it's, it's like a a mosaic of, of evolutionary process. It's not a simple line from this to this, to this, to this. Mm, So there's perfectly perfect room for variation, including on what people see today with Bigfoot, because they uh, they seem to vary slightly from different region to different region. Even the ones that in Norway and and Scandinavia who have big bulbous noses, and they're described as being your your trolls. Oh. But if you look at them morphologically, they look like a Bigfoot, just with slightly bigger noses. So. I don't think they're that genetically different to be a totally different species. 
Okay. All right. I, I'm following you so, a little bit here. I, I'm not no. <laughs> obviously, I'm not an. I don't know for but... sure because because <laughs> we don't have their their genetic profile to to match. Boom, 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 boom. You know, yeah. on it and all of them, but. Uh, uh, the, there's there's certainly room for variation, and if especially when you have species that are not coming in close contact to each to each other all the time, there's going to be variation, just like there are in humans. So, did you ever do anything? Did you ever write a paper on on the subject or anything like that, or did you kind of keep that quiet? Uh, I kept it quiet. Um, I've been writing a book about my experiences and. And focusing on folklore, which I haven't published, but uh, I'm still working on it. Oh, okay, well, you're gonna have to let me know how that how that turns out. I'd love to read it. I really would. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm an artist, so I've been creating the pictures for it too. Oh, nice, nice. Let's get back to that so, final question but, before I let you go here, and that was how did, has how has your encounters has it affected you at all? And and before I rudely interrupted you, but. <laughs> that's okay um i've uh you said you're more open and to possibilities yeah well i i got my degree in anthropology because of bigfoot um it opened up my mind to a, a lot of uh, i'm not narrow-minded on stuff and uh and uh that's basically i i'm open for a a lot of things it doesn't mean I, I i can i mean i'm still skeptical on stuff when someone says they think something is something I, well <laughs> let's look at data and and see and see how it goes um i'm not gonna go off on the, the wild hair fantasies about anything so yeah. but uh but i like to look at like like folklore and stuff you start looking at the folklore and say yeah there's a difference between this and this and this but there's similarities too and i kind of look for the similarities yeah that's uh, and i guess right, right now i guess that's all somebody can all you really can do at this point but yeah i just find it interesting i, I mean i find that very fascinating for the fact that you you went to university and got a degree you know as a result of, of having these these creatures on your your family's property so you know, it's not the first time I've actually heard that or I've, you know, had other people I've talked to, you know, basically tell me that it's opened their mind to, you know, learning yeah. more and getting some kind of zoological background so they can try to figure out exactly where these, where the Sasquatch comes from. So, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, I still find it fascinating though, because I, I don't think I could dedicate years and years of, of schooling to, <laughs> to well it, yeah. uh, it, uh, I, my, my mom was Comanche Choctaw and so I, I was interested in my, my heritage too so combine the two together and I said how could I not go into anthropology and st study uh, culture and and, 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 and humans as physicality and all the rest of it so yeah. So I was it was intrigued by that. Of course, then of course, only two percent of PhD anthropologists get jobs within their chosen field. So I went to teaching. It paid the bills, and I love working with kids. Oh, <laughs> and it's a noble profession. And I actually appreciate the fact that you you brought up Sasquatch into class into the classroom because I, I even living in British Columbia, where where it's widely accepted that you know Sasquatch are out there that you just leave them alone it's not it's kind of taboo to, to bring it up in school still like even to this yeah. point but you know i appreciate the fact that you did that though yeah well i, I did that plus uh, i even taught human evolution in, in class i got away with it simply by avoiding uh trigger phrases like i didn't talk about evolution i talked about adaptation <laughs> <laughs> you must have taught at a catholic school <laughs> <laughs> got away with it it was in the curriculum it said you could teach you human evolution even though we didn't have a single textbook about it yeah so but then i t i tied it in with bigfoot yeah i went to catholic school and, and evolution wasn't really a a subject to be taught well i went to public school and it wasn't there either but i did because of bigfoot i did write a report on human evolution when i was in sixth grade oh <laughs> So it's fair to say you've been you've had Bigfoot on the brain for pretty much your whole life. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> oh, but I'm quite happy to live in the middle of a city. 
and yeah. suburbia <laughs> because too. I I don't worry about something peeking in the window at me. <laughs> me too. You know, my daughter, my, before I let you go, my, my daughter had a, an experience like that. Like you mentioned earlier that you, you showered with during the day. Um, yeah. My daughter, while she was visiting relatives in, a, in an area of BC that's very well known for, you know, Sasquatch being there. It's a widely accepted area that, or widely accepted that they're in that area. And they pay regular visits. And my daughter just happened to be showering one evening. And uh, a Sasquatch looked through the window. and But luckily it had kind of the frosted glass type of thing. Yeah. Know? So she could just make out the outline. And the only reason we know. Uh, it's still unnerving. Yeah. So she went out afterwards, and well, the next day, and seeing footprints at the at the edge of the window, yep. and the windows eating yep. up. So yeah, it was having little peaks peek through. So yeah, I was wondering why all that weird noise was coming from there with the, with the water running and stuff. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's very because she's been taught her whole life that you know, Sasquatch are, are out there and they're real. And sometimes they, they get curious, but, you know, it's still a little unnerving for a child to, to see something that's at least not. Oh, yeah. Well, so. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I had a sleep of the night light on most of my life until recently. Oh, really? Because, <laughs> yeah, I just had, to, I, I felt comfortable. If I had a little bit of a light in the room, I, 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 I could sleep, no problem. Yeah. I didn't have to have the whole room lit up, but just a you know, a small light somewhere and I was fine. And I always slept with the curtains closed. <laughs> Still sleep with the curtains closed. <laughs> At 63, I'm still sleeping with the curtains closed. <laughs> well, I do that just to, to keep the light out. So I can... <laughs> yeah. Uh, well... Yeah. But I don't worry about a Bigfoot peeking in the window where I live. I'm in a, I'm in a, a well-established neighborhood built in, uh, around the turn of the 20th century and uh, with lots of old houses around me, and, and I'm miles from the woods. <laughs> we, we have mountains not far from us, and they, they do get sightings up there. So. Yeah. Well, you have to let me know how that, if you hear any new ones lately. I haven't heard one in a while. The last one was in Pasadena oh. about three years ago. Oh, wow. In a city park, oh. there was a, a apparently a juvenile uh, up in a tree, and the person videotaping is that's a weird sounding bird. And he looked up, and there was this little image of of a small one swinging through the tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I don't live that far from from the woods. It'll take me half an hour to get to a spot where I know they are. So uh, you know what? I'm I'm good living in the city. So they're not far away. Yeah, I they're even out in Palm Springs. They I, have they have a, they have a place called Whitewater, and it's a, and they used people used to do a lot of uh, you know fishing and and nude sunbathing and stuff along that that river, and they don't do it anymore. <laughs> 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 there have been sightings along there. Yeah, you're trying to enjoy the beach, and you got a Sasquatch staring at you. Yeah, that's. Uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I swear they use the rivers through here. We we have uh, rivers are somewhat cemented in, and and I swear they use the Santa Ana River, which goes from San Bernardino and then down around uh, Corona, Norco, and in, into the Anaheim, out out to the sea. You so think, do you think they're that brave though? Like they're they're gonna venture through city area at night no one's looking interesting and there, there's actually trees in the bottom they have, they have lots of uh, uh, willows and trees that grow in the river bed all the way out to sea huh you know what i i guess i've never been to the area so i don't really know i just assume it's just a concrete jungle in, in southern california so yes and no but the green strips are all the rivers and the aqueducts, no, but nobody goes down into those, except for homeless people who keep disappearing. Huh. That's very interesting. Like, hmm. Well, James, I want to say thank yep. you for for coming on. I, and I, I want to apologize uh, for the scheduling mix-up that we had. We were for the listeners. We were oh, to that's okay. A few days ago. That's okay. Yeah. My phone was still weird when you called me today. 
it didn't i did not get a signal or anything i was looking right at it oh wow it only sold that you'd hung up and i go oh that's when i call oh okay. yeah well it worked out it did but yeah thank you so much james for coming on and, and sharing your encounters and your experiences I, I really do appreciate the fact that you were teaching this in in the classroom i think it needs to be taught a little bit more i was i, I retired in 2015 so um i don't miss it i miss the kids i i, I don't miss the administration it got crazy yeah yeah so yeah <laughs> yeah but anyway thank you so much james i appreciate you taking the time today thank you so much okay thank you and for the listeners if you guys just want to hang around we're going to close out the show stay there And welcome back, everyone. We are back to pull a pin on this one, but before we do that, we got to give a huge thank you to James for coming on, or Jim, as he likes to be called. Uh, thank you, Jim. I, I really do appreciate you taking the time. And once again, I do apologize for the scheduling mix-up. It was uh, kind of out of both of our hands, but uh, uh, I, I really, really am glad that you made it on. And, you know, when I put the call out a while ago about wanting to talk to people with these, you know, with these family units on their property, I really wasn't sure what to expect, you know, when genuinely when I heard, you know, a, a multiple Sasquatch on, on a piece of property, I always default automatically to that, you know, they must be violent, you know, there must be something going on. There's a reason that they're, you know, approaching the house at night. And I'm slowly kind of learning that, you know, that's not the case so much. That really isn't. I mean, there's a lot that, yeah, we just don't know. I mean, there could be many, many properties with, with many, many Sasquatch on it. We just don't know about it. We don't hear about it because people like James's family followed the philosophy of, you know, we'll leave them alone. They'll leave us alone. And, and I think, you know, if more people follow that philosophy, which would be bad for the podcasting business, <laughs> by us staying away a little bit, I, I really think that we can push our relationship forward with with the forest people. And by that, I, I kind of mean by us staying away, we're showing them respect. We're, we're, we're showing that we respect their boundaries and we're not going to, you know, cross into your world. But they must know that if they cross into ours, you know, curiosity is going to get the better of us. And uh, I, I kind of think that's where Jim's family history with, with, with the forest people kind of goes. You know, it was uh, kind of a tit for tat type of thing but uh, it was great to hear he was i really enjoyed speaking to you james so thank you so much um let's see let's make this one quick guys so uh if you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show i can be contacted at nicola valley bigfoot at gmail.com that's n-i-c-o-l-a nicola valley bigfoot at gmail.com i'd love to hear from you and possibly have you on the show so uh send me an email let's see what we can do about that but with that, guys, I think we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, so until next Tuesday, I will talk to you all later. Bye.